C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends we hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. Maddie, will you introduce our esteemed guest? Yes, most esteemed. Um, I'm really excited to talk to Brie Trovinger. Is that how you pronounce it? We always Trovinger. do this. It's very German. Trovinger. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Um, We're really excited. She has a very phenomenal Instagram, which is how we got acquainted with each other. And this is our first time meeting, which is always very exciting to have a guest that we don't know very well. So we'll be learning in real time. Um, But I know Brie owns, you own your own business. I do. And you're a young mom. And I know you're open about some mental health struggles, which we'll get into as well. So very eclectic background. Um, But before we get started with our usual segments, if you want to introduce yourself, say maybe how old you are, where you're from, and what you're up to now. All right. Um, My name is Bree Trovinger. Um, I live in Austin, Texas. Um, I've kind of moved all over the place as a kid, grew up all over the place, but Austin's kind of been home. I've been here since, gosh, the sixth grade. Um, So this is definitely where I think I'm from. Um, I have a daughter named Frankie. She is just turned seven. Um, and I own a business doing microblading and lash extensions. I'm an esthetician. So yeah, that's kind of what is keeping me busy. My daughter's in first grade now. So I'm kind of transitioning from being like a mom of like a little kid to like a big kid and like school and all of that. So yeah, Yeah. it's a lot. That's an exciting time. You, who is the one that has a step kiddo that's me that's you yeah yeah so it's definitely it's an adventure but I think that is a big transition when they go from being like a little kid that still needs mom and still you know doesn't have all that independence and then all of a sudden they're like I'm in first grade who are you I don't need you you know so but has been like a mom of like a little kid Mm -hmm. like I feel like when I tell people that I have a seven-year-old I feel like I don't get as much like sympathy for being busy. probably like, true <laughs> yeah but like I'm like oh it's really hard still yeah and now you've got all like she'll start bringing like the attitude and so that's always fun yes so can't wait to dig into that more yeah um so to start we have our campfire topics mm-hmm. Shay would you like to begin do you have a toasty one for us uh well first of all I have two addendums to the campfire Oh, the camping episode. Great. And then I have one small hot topic. So great. I'll be pretty quick today. Uh, my first addendum, which I should have done for my hot topic while we were actually camping is, did you notice how many people when we were camping in the bathrooms were like doing their makeup and straightening their hair and had like the whole kitten caboodle? Yes, I did notice. There was one girl I... in particular that was like full face of makeup for Brie, in case you didn't get a chance to listen because it only came out a few days ago, and our listeners, we Shay and I went camping, so we took adult kid actually camping, and we were at like a campground, so there was like bathrooms and like showers and stuff, but it was like a communal situation, and 
Shay yeah, is correct. Yeah. There were some women who brought like the full, like not even like when I travel, I have like my travel makeup. I don't know, Brie, as like an esthetician, if you like always do like the full, you look very beautiful today. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I was just sending a mean text to um, Justin Perez because Ooh. I sent a picture saying that I was going on here and he was like, wow, casual makeup. And I was like, first of all, I work in this industry, okay? So, like, if I have fucking makeup on, give me a break, you know? Do you like, and Justin know each other? Yes, I think that's how... I was trying to figure this out. I think that's how you started following me. Because oh I probably gosh, so fun. something rude on, like, his Instagram <laughs> thing. And I think that's how we kind yeah. of followed I don't know. But, I, yes, I feel like... But I'm the kind of person that it's either, like, all or nothing. So, like, either I look, like, full glam or I look like a trash bag you know like there's no in between and if but I was camping I would not be wearing uh, that was my question I just I thought it was very especially because where we were going I mean it was like you're covered in sand from head to toe I even like if I had worn my actual like face makeup it would have just been a sand cake in like two minutes so that was my first camp and it was good it's good to get an expert's opinion on that because I was like maybe I'm just a trash bag and I should be like trying to look nice while we're on our camping vacation, but, uh, I, I also like when I come home from work, usually I have to mm-hmm. take, I have to wash my face like immediately. Mm. I am not like lounge in makeup. I'm only yeah. wearing makeup now because I was at work, but mm-hmm. like the idea of sleeping in makeup disgusts me, whatever. Ugh, I can't imagine so like being out outside with like a full face of makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's like wet and you're getting sweaty. It's yeah. Whole thing. So, but then my actual hot topic that I wanted to talk about today was because um, I just came from this yoga class and I, it was a, like a hot yoga with a core strengthening element to it. And I just wanted to give my standard PSA because I feel like everybody's into these group fitness classes and they don't really know what they're doing. Um, if you go to a yoga class, there's a wonderful book I recommend everyone should read before they do any yoga. It's called the science of yoga by William Broad. And it came out, quite a long time ago now, but this book totally changed my practice. And it basically says, what's going to happen is you're going to go into a, like a beginner plus class and they're going to have you do something like crow pose or fish pose or this and such and the other thing. And you shouldn't do these poses because they can actually cause permanent damage and maybe even cause you to stroke or all of these different things. And, um, a lot of yoga instructors in this day and age don't really know the anatomy of yoga. So, um, if you practice yoga and many millennials do, I would highly recommend checking out this book and definitely make use of it in your practice. Yeah. I think that's great. I feel like my yeah. my mom's a yoga teacher. I feel like she's mentioned that book to me. So I think it's a it's good very one. good. Yeah. yeah. You got to be careful. So. You can't just like, you got to trust your body and not, you know, you want to push yourself a little bit to like grow, mm-hmm. but not do things that are unsafe well, or succumb to the peer pressure. And I think that was what was so interesting about this particular book is it because it's yoga specific practice, it can say like this particular pose, unless you are a super expert, do not do it. Even if you are a super expert, do it at your own risk because it has to do with the way you're like compressing your muscles and your bones and your veins where it's a a little bit different than say you're going to like Barry's boot camp and like, should you push through that five mile run on the treadmill or should you get off and take a break? Um, Which is I think more of a, 
a personal decision where he's able to be like, no, these are concrete things that unless you're an expert practicing for 15 years, you should not be doing. Um, and I thought that was very interesting and informative. So yes. yeah, excellent. Yeah. So Maddie, what is your hot topic for the day? Um, so I've been reading this book. I was, I had it with me, but I hadn't read very much of it when I was in mm -hmm. Portland on the camping trip. It's this book, um, Gia Tolentino, Trick Mirror. She is a writer for The New Yorker, and it's actually um, the book club of the month pick for Girls Night In, which we've talked about on this podcast. They're like a newsletter, and they talk about like introverted activities and like things that you can do in your home, and they have like a monthly book club all over the country. So if you're interested in reading it, I think it's the September book club pick. And I'm a little bit more than halfway through it, and I just thought it's it's definitely billed as like a millennial book and there's a lot of different topics and it's a series of essays. So it's pretty digestible and you can pick and choose like which ones you want to read. If you're not interested in all of them, she talks about the, she went to university of Virginia. So she talks about the, um, the article in Rolling Stone that was fabricated about the UVA rape case, which was super interesting mm. from someone's perspective who went there and was in Greek life. Um, she talks about her time when she was on a reality show when she was 16, which was super interesting in like the early aughts kind of. Um, but the best essay that I thought was most topical for um, this this podcast was called A Story of a Generation in Seven Scams. And she breaks up the essay to talk about the millennial generation in terms of seven scams, quote unquote. And mm -hmm. I just thought it was a really interesting way to frame and her whole thesis of the essay is like what what is typical of 20 to 30 year olds and what is specific to millennials, which I think is something we struggle to parse through on this podcast, mm -hmm. looking at it through the lens of either outright scammers like the Fire Festival guys or Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos and also the ways that we kind of delude ourselves and scam our own self-worth, which I thought was pretty interesting. So she talks about... Um, you know, like the typical scams, like I just mentioned, she talks about the rise of Donald Trump and why his kind of deceitful nature is appealing to people, especially millennials. Mm -hmm. um, she talks about, again, Fire Festival. She talks about the crash that a lot of the elder millennials faced more so than people my age and the student debt crisis and how we've kind of deluded ourselves into thinking that college degrees are worth more than they are, that kind of thing. And then I thought it was interesting. She has a whole section of this particular essay about uh, Sofia Maruso and Girl Boss and kind of the oh interesting like that brand of feminism and you know how that and like Gwyneth Paltrow and the Goop model and Sheryl Sandberg are all part of this sort of individualistic feminism model that overshadows what the traditional movement was and just kind of serves late stage capitalism which is super interesting because I love girl boss i've talked about it on this podcast so it kind of reframed a lot of you know things that are very performative for instagram and for your friends versus true self-empowerment and personal development so i highly recommend it it was very interesting cool i when you told when you i saw you reading that book and you told me what it was about that is not what i thought it was about so yeah well the byline <laughs> so it's called trick mirror and then the byline is called reflections in self-delusion so every yeah, i would not pick that up in the bookstore yeah i mean i picked it up just because i was like whoa it's it, it was like it just came out so it was like at the front and then i read once you read the inside flap it kind of says like 
She writes a series of essays about millennial culture and her experiences growing up. She's not, I think she's probably between, I would say she's probably 30. She's probably between Shay and I. Um, and, you know, there's another good essay, actually, Shay, that I think you would really like about mm-hmm. um, female heroines in literature throughout time. Oh. And she talks okay. a lot about Anne of Green Gables and mm. a lot of other literary classics and how it kind of framed how she felt about herself growing up and how she's kind of had to reevaluate that as she's gotten older. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an interesting like string of essays to take like the self-delusion topic and apply it to a lot of things and how things aren't always what they seem. So yeah. And no, Brie, if you have any Excellent thoughts on that, Maddie. thank you. I need to read it. Um, I need to read more in general. I, <laughs> I feel like I listen to a lot of audible but my problem with Audible that is that I, like, I speed through them so quick, though, and it's not mm. cheap. So I have to, like, yeah. take little breaks from Audible. But I will say that I did finally start reading um, A State of Affairs by Esther Perel. Mm. Oh, I have wanted to read. She's so – I've listened to her speak a few times, and she's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting. And I have been kind of, like – I had a client that was talking about um, how her – parents' relationships have really affected her relationships and how she views like cheating and stuff. And so I guess she was saying that this book kind of made her rethink, um, I think cheating, it has, you know, such a negative connotation, but in like, it's kind of not, I mean, obviously it's frowned upon, but there's not really a lot of information on why people do it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. this, this book kind of helped her realize, I mean, the ins and outs of it. So I was like, I need to read this because I, obviously I feel like, have dealt with a lot of this and it is so interesting. I was even reading something. Um, she was saying that like a lot of cheating happens when like, um, someone dies in the family, which Mm -hmm. yeah, like I guess people kind of reevaluate. So when you have a death in a family, you kind of are reevaluating your relationships and that's when it occurs, but it's really, really good. And definitely if you have any kind of questions on why people do the things they do in relationships, it helps. And for listeners, if you're not familiar with Esther Perel, she's, would you call her Brie, like a sex therapist? Yes. Yes. But she's been very, I mean, she's older. I mean, I would say she's what, in her seventies at least. Yeah. So um, she's been talking and writing uh, for many decades now and is kind of, but this whole thing about affairs has really become this yeah. main topic for her to talk about in the last few years. So, but she talks about all different aspects of sex and Yes. Well-being. So. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Bree, do you have another hot topic, campfire topic for us? If not, we can dive into the interview. Um, I can't think of them right off the top of my head. Um, (laughs) No worries. We can start peppering you interviewing then. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think you kind of alluded to it already in the intro and you and Shay were already talking about it, but you are a young mom and you know, I don't being, think I said my age. I'm 30. You're 30. Okay. Yes. Still very youthful, young, I would say. Um, so how, maybe if you can take a step back and kind of talk about that journey and how you felt being a mom, I imagine a lot of your friends probably are maybe just now having kids. So what that yeah. kind of felt like to be, you know, a mom in your 20s. Um, yeah, I was kind of like reevaluating like be a, being a millennial and how different it has been for me uh, because I became a mom at 
I mean, I found out I was pregnant right before my 23rd birthday. Um, so I feel like I really went from being like a teenager to being a parent really quickly. Um, and I'd never really had a chance to kind of go through like the millennial process of like fit finding myself and, you know, establishing who I was. I kind of did all of that while having a child. Um, and like I, I have mentioned to you, I have a lot of mental health struggles. And so that kind of brought them to the forefront, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I found out when I was pregnant, whenever I was, like I said, 22, 23, I'd only been dating the person for four months. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it was very unexpected. Um, he was 10 years older than me. So we were at very, two very different points in our lives. Um, and so that was also very hard because I felt like I was dealing with things like a 22, 23 year old, like, you know, how you do. Um, and I was dealing with someone that was like 33, 34 that wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. getting it. Um, and so it, it just, it was an adjustment and I'm still adjusting seven years later. I still feel like I'm finding out who I am just a little bit slower than my friends per se, because a lot of my friends don't have kids. Uh, mm-hmm. I say the majority of my friends don't, I either have, you know, like friends that are just now even getting into serious relationships or I have friends that are like 50, you know, it's <laughs> a weird, it's weird. It's, it's weird having a kid being seven and I'm 30. Cause when I go to her class and stuff, I feel like I'm definitely the youngest one there, mm-hmm. which, you know, back in when my mom had me, it wasn't that way, but it's yeah. definitely switched, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting because I think this is a little bit of a, you know, a fallacy that we all believe that we go through this like quarter life crisis and we do this thing and then we figure out that thing and we have time. And then when we're ready, but the reality is, and again, from, you know, having friends who I have friends who have had kids, you know, at 22, 23, and then friends who are having kids now at 35, 36, 37. Um, I don't know if it's reassuring for you to know it's the same kind of process, right? And you have to rediscover your identity in tandem with this other tiny person. And that's, that's pretty crazy. And I think, you know, we, we think that, oh, we miss out or it has to happen in this order. And I don't necessarily think that that's true. Um, It just is different, right? I think for me, the one thing that I, I think often about is that like, whenever I was like 22 before I got pregnant, I was just kind of going through like the emotional work that I needed to, you know, Mm -hmm. like the trauma that I had gone through as a kid was kind of coming and, and kind of manifesting itself. And I was kind of just starting the work on that, like just (laughs) barely the work. And then I all of a sudden had a baby. Um, and no time for the work. There's no time for that. And it just makes things, worse at times, you know, and like, I had a partner that wasn't really a partner. So I really didn't have like, support. So really, I had, I mean, I had no emotional support and no financial support. So I feel like we all go through struggles, but there's something to be said, like, as a parent, there's something to be said about having a kid. When you're like a kid, you know, it just Mm -hmm. is like, I, I I watch these like teen mom shows. I'm like, I don't even know. At least I have like, some of the fundamentals an adult and like I knew how to pay a bill like how do these kids even do it you know like mm-hmm. it just it's it wild yeah maybe you can touch upon that a little bit 
um, how you talked a little bit about the partner at the time wasn't super supportive. And yeah. I assume you're no longer with that person. Yes, we are not together. We separated when um, she was just shy of a year. And at that point, um, I moved back in with my parents, which was awful because <laughs> no one ever wants to move back in with their parents, especially when you have a kid, because I don't know about you, but like when I go to my parents' house, I kind of revert back to being a kid, <laughs> like, like my parent and like I expect things from them. And I felt that it was just a weird dynamic. Um, and was even weirder because my mom and my dad were kind of going through the process of getting a, like going through a divorce at the same time as I was going through separation. So I was kind of like, I was in this house living with them with a baby, but I had, you know, like a year to get my shit together before they have anywhere to go. Yeah, that must have been tough. Have you found since then that dating with a small child has been tough? Or do you find that people are pretty understanding of it? Or how does that aspect play out? I haven't. I haven't done a whole lot of dating, to be honest. Um, And that kind of comes from like my situation. Whenever I was my daughter's age, my mom um, was single and my mom dated quite a few people. And I think she was just really, she was lonely and she was broke. And I think she wanted a partner and she wanted financial help, which I get it. Um, But with that, she, yeah, I got really attached to a lot of the people that she was with and their kids. And then, um, then, you know, they would separate or whatever. And I, it was just a lot for me to handle. And so I think I like kind of overcompensate and I try not to date. Um, and it's not been like super healthy on my part. And I definitely am like carrying a lot of that baggage, but I just feel like there's a time for dating and I wasn't in that time. Like, I feel like she was so little for so long that I was just so invested in that. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't, and and I've never been someone that like needs a relationship and almost quite the opposite. Um, And so I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I think just now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I think that I could seriously date, you know, I've kind of dated and it's been fun, but nothing serious. And I'm just now getting to the point where I'm like, I could potentially have a partner, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good place to be. But like I said, I'm not like seeking it out, but it has, it hasn't been easy. And I'm also in Austin and I feel like Austin is not <laughs> like a great place to date. I feel like people come here to have fun, you know, mm. and, and I'm not fun. So <laughs> you look very fun. Yeah. You look very fun. I'm kind of like in awe of you. I'm like, you're very, very cool. Very deceiving. I'm so boring. So well, that's exciting. It's interesting because I feel like everyone. I live in New York, and I feel like everyone's like, "Oh, New York is such like a bad dating town." And then I look at something like Austin, and I'm like, "Oh, there's a lot of like attractive single men there." But uh, don't do it. No, <laughs> it's not. It's. Ugh. I think I even read something recently that like Austin was one of the worst cities to date in, just because wow. it's a lot of like men in their 20s who just want to like flit around and do whatever yes you have a lot of people coming from like I mean obviously there are a lot of like people from San Francisco LA Californians right but like there's a lot of people coming from like Missouri and Ohio and like these boring 
pounds and they're like, Oh my God, Austin, you can have like the time of your life. And there's pretty girls everywhere and like no men. So like pretty girls just flock to any guy, you know what I mean? So it's just like, this is like paradise for a single man. Mm, So interesting. I love that hot take, hot take of the day. Hot take on Austin. I'm part of like this group on, um, on Facebook for like Austin women. Right. Mm -hmm. And basically it's all of these women that either they're going on a date or they've been on a date or whatever. And they post the person's like picture and they're like, does anyone know John? You know? Yeah. It's amazing. Like there was a, um, a woman that like posted something recently and somehow we were able to figure out that, um, her, the guy that she was seeing was on vacation mm. with another woman while she was, mm. was like dog sitting his dog. And so like, oh, the, no. the group were able to like send a bottle of champagne to his said hotel in like the Bahamas. Right. But I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So all of these women are now posting, you know, the men that they've dated and how awful they are. And so like, I feel like it's kind of like, we're kind of taking over a little bit and <laughs> There's not as many guys getting away with it, but Austin's not a great place to date. Like it is, it's terrible. Yeah. Oh, well, so now, well, maybe now that your daughter's older, there will be some like cute single dads at the school. One can only hope. I think about all the meet cute possibilities with kids. Uh, True. But yeah, I feel like I don't know how, I don't know how I feel about dating someone with children, which is also another take that I have because I don't know I feel maybe you can give me some insight in this but I feel like when um a woman is a single mom and Mm -hmm. she's gonna date a guy and he doesn't have children um she kind of goes out of her way to be like I'm gonna take care of this you're not their dad like I've got this under control and kind of makes it super easy for that the partner but I feel like Mm -hmm. men don't have that same like yeah. What I mean, like, yeah. like, and come, just take, take control, do whatever take you need control. to do. Yeah. I'm sure if I met like the dreamiest man, I'd be like, I don't care. You have eight kids. Like, let's do this. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> yeah, but it is hard. I think I love the point that you make about like, as women, not only do, guys, do men sometimes want to hand stuff over to us, I think even the best guy who's got their kid stuff totally under control will still defer to their female partner because they just feel comfortable doing it and they feel safe. And I don't think it's anything like negative or misogynistic. It's just, it's hard to do this right as a single parent. Totally. And if you have a woman, especially come in who can shoulder that burden, I think they're a little more quick to offload some of that burden than a woman would be to a man, a male okay. partner, if that makes sense. So, yeah. But yeah. And I think it's like, it's almost like a false choice because it's like it's unless you're looking for that type of relationship specifically, which to your point, Shay, you can't even make that you can't even contemplate that as a decision because you don't really know what it's yeah. going to be like until you're in it. But I feel like a lot of people think about like, you know, I just went away for the weekend and like one of my friends, she just moved back home and she's like talking about the dating scene and she's like a lot of the guys there are divorced and have kids, even guys in their late 20s, early 30s, you know. And she's like, it's easy when you're like, oh, if there's two equally good guys and one of them wants to have kids, of course, you're going to go with the easier option. 
but it's never like that. Like you never have that choice that's like simply put in front of you. So it's very interesting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So maybe switching gears, Brie, to your business, how long have you been an esthetician and owned your own business? And how did that, um, how did you find the time to do this while you were raising a kid? Well, um, I went back to school. So I originally went to school for music theater. Oh, uh, yes. Jazz hands. Um, and obviously couldn't have a career in that with a child. So at, whenever I split up with my ex, um, he was, he is an actor. And I had been doing makeup for films that he was doing. So I, you know, kind of work alongside him. But I realized that that probably wasn't going to happen since we were split up now. And I kind of felt like I didn't really have a career path. And so I decided to go back to aesthetic school because um, I wanted to at least have my license. If I was going to be doing makeup, I wanted to, like, know more about, like, skin, too, not just, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I went back to school when she was 10 months Um, and it was awful. (laughs) It was so hard. I was still nursing. And so I was in school with like these like 18 year olds and I'd have to go nurse in a closet with a swing. Yeah. And it was just, it was a lot. Um, it was probably the most depressed I've ever been in my entire life. Um, I remember I would like go to the bathroom and just cry in between like classes. Um, but I did it and it was seven months long after that. I kind of was like, I had heard about lash lash extensions and I was like, that's, I think I want to do that. I really like tedious work. I like little intricate things. I have really crazy anxiety. So it calms me. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of people don't like lash extensions because it is like, you're literally using two tweezers to like pick up lashes and glue them onto a single lash on someone's eye. And so like a lot of people, that's like, I'm getting lash extensions for the first time on Monday. And I cannot tell you how nervous I am. To have oh, them done, by the way. I'm nervous. Because what if Kathleen, who's doing my lashes, what if she like has a seizure and stabs me in the eye? I don't know. Many yeah. things could go wrong. Kathleen is a trained professional. <laughs> okay. So you. Um, I know. I, honestly, at this point, I could do lashes like with my eyes closed. That's how long I've been oh doing. Oh my gosh. That's, That's awesome. A- anyway, go on with your story. Yeah, I just, so I'm like I, fascinated. So I was like, I, I want to do that. Um, I, but you have to take another training course for that. So I'm like, I'll just find someone that will hire me and then train me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I did. And I worked there for seven months. And then at that point I was like, I could be making so much more money if I was doing this on my own and just a business owner. And so I, that's how I started. I kind of, I just kind of had to, um, I'm someone that takes a long time to get things done. As you notice, like it took me forever to even do this podcast. (laughs) I just have, such crazy anxiety. Um, but having a kid, like I had no other option. My, my parents, like I said, were about to split up, um, moving into their own places and there was no option for me to move with them. So I really had to like get my shit in order. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to do this. So I found a space to rent, um, and just kind of started and I was so broke. Um, but I did it. And then I kind of got, I, I mostly now do microblading, which, um, is brow tattooing if you're not, um, familiar with it, but I kind of stumbled upon that the same way. And now that's like my, my bread and butter. And I have like a successful thriving business now, and I don't have to worry about not making a car payment and it's, 
so awesome. Um, Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of times I'm really hard on myself uh, most of the time, but then, you know, like I, then I'm like sitting in my own place and I have my own car that I pay for and I'm like, I'm doing it. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't have the luxury of like having a four year degree and never finished school. I know, you know what I mean? So, and I had a baby. So like all of these things are really awesome. And I have to kind of tell myself that sometimes because a lot of times I can be like, well, I'm not doing enough, you know, or look at people. Look at my friend. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I have to, you know, like kind of sometimes give myself a pep talk because Mm -hmm. it's a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you've mentioned that you struggle with anxiety. Do you want, are you open to talking about that journey with us? Yes, totally. Um, Yeah. I've had anxiety since I can remember, like Mm -hmm. since I was probably six years old. Um, It really, really became an issue when I was in college for music theater um, and I was missing my auditions. Like I would go to an audition and I would sit in my car because I physically could not get out of my car. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, even to the point like, I wouldn't order, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pump my own gas because the idea of like getting out of my car and pumping my gas and people looking at me like terrified me. So I'd find some sort of reason to have someone in the car with me, you know, when my tank was low and like that in itself is a lot of anxiety being like, okay, I have to get someone to come drive with me, you know, and then be Mm -hmm. like, Oh, can you pump this for me? Like, and that's weird, you know? So like it was all these little things, um, And I didn't really realize it was so bad until um, I got pregnant Mm -hmm. and I I had severe anxiety because I had a partner um, that wasn't really excited about me being pregnant Mm -hmm. and we would have to go places together um, and I would have such bad anxiety thinking that like I was like proof of like how do I even word this? Like I was like the, the thing that was causing him so much unhappiness. And like, here mm. I am pregnant. Like you were the physical no manifestation of all the bad things in his life. Exactly. Exactly. And I took on all of that and it was awful. So like, I really nine months of my pregnancy, I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't want people to even see me around him because I didn't want them to even think And and now in in hindsight, I'm like, no one would have thought that I was, you know, a negative manifestation of all the bad things in his life. No one thinks that, but that's, that was how I thought. Um, And then having my daughter and, you know, postpartum depression and all of that hit me really, really, really hard and, and kind of going through a breakup with postpartum depression and, and all of those things just, I finally was pushed to like get on medication, which definitely has helped. Um, but it's still there and it will always be there and it's, it's who I am and I'm just kind of learning how to, to live with it. And instead of like hiding those things, kind of talking to people and telling them like, this is why I'm behaving the way that I'm behaving. This is why I didn't go to this certain thing, you know, like I physically Mm -hmm. couldn't go. Yeah. I am just, I'm, I'm literally blown away by your story because you're telling this and I wish our uh, listeners could see like that you're smiling and you're able to tell this story and 
you're you're talking about having all this anxiety and postpartum depression and also talking about at the same time you're going back to school and you're doing all of these things and now you've become a business owner while dealing with this illness I mean you rock girl like bring it so yeah I'm really blown away by that by your story so how do you find you know um with anxiety I know sometimes it just comes on and you're not expecting it and how do you handle that as a mom and as a business owner when you have clients coming in and then you've got to go pick up your daughter from school how does that how do you deal with that in the moment honestly I mean like honestly that's something I still am trying to navigate I mean there Mm -hmm. have been luckily I think I am so drawn to this um this profession because it does give me um kind of control in like Mm -hmm clients and stuff. But I mean, there are days and, and I don't really admit this to a lot, but like there are days when I wake up and I really have a hard time getting out of bed. And Mm -hmm. so I do have to, like, I do reschedule my clients, um, which I'm not really proud of, but it's gotten less and less, you know, like Mm -hmm. I try to be like, it's, it's gotten better. Um, and it, it does help having a kid that like, if I don't get up, like, then she doesn't get up. If I don't drive her to school, she doesn't go to school, you know? So like I'm responsible. Um, and so I'm forced, you know, and it's not like I have, I don't feel like I'm, I have a ton of strength in doing this. I feel like it's just like, either I do it or I don't. And I love this kid and I want the best for her. And also like, I don't want her to live with this, this anxiety. Mm. It's, it's debilitating and it sucks. Um, and so like, I kind of want her to see that, I mean, and life does go on. No one's stopping. No one's not making appointments with me because they know I'm, you know, having a hard time. No one really knows that. And they're still going to expect me to be at work. Mm -hmm. So I've got to like learn and figure out ways to do it. But yeah, it's something that like, I really honestly struggle with daily. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not easy. And And it really sucks because for me, I feel like, and I'm sure people can kind of identify with this, like I have this anxiety about not doing something and then I don't do that something and that causes me Mm -hmm. more anxiety and I get into this like perpetual gross cycle of Mm -hmm. like, well, I didn't go to work because I had such a bad anxiety, but now I have a bill that I can't pay because I didn't go to that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've kind of gotten to a point where I realize that like, yeah, it may feel good to stay in my bed right now, but it's going to feel even worse when I can't, you know, like pay a bill or, or take my kids somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've definitely gotten better about that. No, noting like the repercussions of not yeah. getting done immediately. Yeah. Do you feel, I know you touched upon the postpartum depression aspects and I feel like this is such a under talked about time like how mental health changes during pregnancy specifically and I know you had mentioned you were you know struggling from a lot of these things before and then during pregnancy I'm sure hormones are going crazy and then after pregnancy it's also crazy you know how do you kind of how did you kind of figure out like okay this is maybe a temporary ailment because of the pregnancy versus this is just something I've dealt with all my life and how did you kind of get help for those specific pregnancy related issues? You know, I I don't know if they were completely separate, separate. I think that maybe, um, it just, I think I was able to function more, um, when I didn't have a child and like, I wasn't on medicine. I wasn't, I was a terror and I was a, a 
uh, awful to be around before being on medicine. But I think um, when I had my daughter, her name's Frankie, when I had Frankie, um, I think more than anything, I felt like I was super, super, super happy. And I loved this like being so much, right? And, um, and I still wasn't happy. I still couldn't like get, I couldn't become happy. And I think what made me realize that it was postpartum was because, um, you know, if I had, if I was depressed before having a baby, um, and something was exciting or something came along that I was really excited about, I could kind of like shake it, you know, like not that I could mm-hmm. shake being depressed, but I could kind of like channel my energy somewhere else and be like, okay, well, yeah. this is awesome. You're almost like distract it. yourself in a way. Totally. And like when I had this awesome baby that I was like infatuated with, I mean, crazy about, I still was miserable and I was still crying every day. And I still felt like I wasn't me. I mean, even just looking in the mirror and being like, this isn't what my body looked like. I mean, it just Mm -hmm. everything it's, and especially being a woman, like, I feel like you identify so much with how you look and how your body looks and then having a baby and you are not, you're not that anymore. And that definitely made me incredibly depressed. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just and nursing and feeling like I just, I, I wasn't in the headspace of wanting a baby. And so I don't think I was prepared. Even if you want a baby, you know, you still it's still hard. Part of, exactly. But like, I just was so, I, I kind of felt like I didn't deserve all of the things that were happening to me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't ask for this. So it's definitely different. Um, but for me, it felt kind of, I mean, very similar. I think when you are prone to depression, uh, I know that when you're prone to depression, your chances of getting postpartum are even higher. Mm-hmm. So I think it just, it just felt like a heightened state of depression, but I also had this human that was like, feeding off of me every two hours and I was sleep deprived. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Do you have any advice for, I'm like fascinated by pregnancy. This is like my new, we've talked about it on the podcast. I wasn't like owning a business doing like aesthetics and stuff. I would be a doula or a midwife. Yes. Of some sort. Oh, cool. Of this stuff. Yes. So do you have any, like, is there anything that happened to you either physically or mentally or otherwise, or like the way people treated you that you wish you had known before any tips for pregnant women? Gosh, I knew nothing because I was so young, you know, like I, like, I don't even, you were coming so at after, it fresh. Yeah. 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 After you have a baby, it is a disaster. Like it, <laughs> you're, wearing, you're wearing like a diaper. I don't know if you know these things. Like when you I go only to the recently rest- found this out, like literally a month ago, I did not, <laughs> I did not know this at all. And then I had this baby and was like, what? the fuck is happening I mean it's like it's terrifying did you have a vaginal birth in a hospital I did I had like the worst I had pneumonia oh no yes I was like in I was in the hospital for two weeks before I had my daughter and then they induced me and it took me three days (gasps) to like deliver I was put I pushed for four and a half hours I mean it was just like a nightmare but that being said um delivering her was like the the best. I always tell people that it's like intoxicating. Like if I could skip pregnancy and just deliver babies, I would do it 
You'd have 25 kids. Yeah. 100%. Um, I loved it. But the pregnancy is where, like, I just... And I also think that I kind of try to remember... I had really bad heartburn the entire time. Like, I would get heartburn from, like, drinking water. So, like, I was miserable. <laughs> but I was also... Um, really miserable with the person that I was with, you know? And so I wonder if, because people ask me a lot of the time, like, do you think that you want another child? Um, and part of me says no, because I like my life with one. I think it's really manageable. We can travel. Um, and I love her so much, but part of me is like, I never got to go through a pregnancy with a partner. I never ever got to be excited about it. You know, like the entire, my ex, um, he did not want me to keep the baby. And when I did keep the baby, he said that I got pregnant on purpose. <gasps> and and that really tainted my entire pregnancy because I felt like I couldn't be happy ever because then mm. he would think that I got pregnant on purpose, which is such mm. a fucked way of thinking. Yeah. But I didn't want, and I did, obviously, I'm, you know, a sane human being being and and how you get pregnant on purpose when there's two people getting yeah. pregnant, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah I feel like I never I never was excited I remember even one time like I must have been 20 weeks pregnant and I was uh, at this point living with my parents still before I moved in with my boyfriend and I was touching my stomach because she was moving and my mom mm. came in and I was embarrassed like I was embarrassed that she saw me like enjoying that moment you know yeah so that would be cool. Um, to, and I wonder if like this time, if I got pregnant again, if I would like, like it, you know, cause I think it is like, you know, where your mindset can affect everything. And so I think I just hated it because I, I hated the situation that I was in. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Is there any advice for, um, like having your daughter's obviously older now, and as mm -hmm. you go through like different stages of life, like being a, you know, you had mentioned you were one of the younger moms in the elementary school or now that she's in kindergarten, you know, like navigating, like, do you feel like you faced any judgment from people in your life or strangers? I know you had mentioned your partner, but, um, you know, being kind of on the outside of the normal demographic that has kids the age that your daughter is. You know, I really don't um I feel like people are incredibly they're very kind to me um and I'm sure that that's not everyone everyone's experience as being a single mom um and especially like a young single mom but the people that I've like kind of surrounded myself with and that being said like I don't hang out with people that would treat me any right. any mm -hmm. other way you know but like I think if anything, it's more like my projecting that, you know, like me feeling awkward to be, um, you know, at, at Frankie's like Christmas party or something. Like mm -hmm. I feel like I'm more awkward than anyone actually thinks it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't think anyone, it's not like I'm like 15 with us, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, but, oh, go on. Sorry. So you, you go ahead. No, I just say, I think that's so interesting because like you said, 23 is young and it was certainly young for you given the parameters of your life. But it, again, it's not like being 15 and having a baby, but I think... Yeah, you were a full adult. Yeah, but I, I guess what I'm saying is it's interesting that we all have these anxieties because I think sometimes like, oh God, when I 
finally eventually get pregnant, I'll be like almost 40. Are people going to be judging me for being such an old mom? I'm going to, when the kid's in fifth grade, I'm going to be like 50, you know, and like, I, I have that anxiety on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, but like, I think you make such a great point, Brie, like people just, you surround yourself with people who support you. And then at the end of the day, like everyone's just doing their best. And it's like from one mom to another, they're going to be like, high five, like right on girl. Like you have a happy, awesome kid. That's all that matters. Totally. Totally. And I do have like the sweetest, kindest child ever. I'm sure if I had like, a little shit, <laughs> people would be like, who's this young mom? But like, you know what I mean? I, people are a lot. And I feel like women in general are very kind. Like I feel mm-hmm. like and we're all really going through it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel a lot of times I kind of think like, oh, I wish that I had a partner to do this with. And, but then I have like clients of mine that are like, I have a partner and I don't feel like I have a, so I, I don't feel like I have a partner a lot of mm-hmm. the time. So I feel like we're all kind of just doing the best that we can. Um, and when you have a kid, you really notice that like, I remember, um, one time saying that or I was talking to my friend Andrea saying that I was, I felt like a bad mom. And she was like, do you know how hard it is to be a bad mom? You know, like it takes a lot of work to be a bad mom. Yeah. And that kind of changed my perspective. Like when I'm feeling like I'm, I'm not giving my kid what, you know, her mm-hmm. classmates have. Um, I'm like, no, like she has a home, she has clothes, she has, you know, like all, she has a lot of people that love her. Like she has mm-hmm. what she needs, you know, yeah. and a, and that's awesome. Yeah. No, that's I cool. love that you said that because I think, you know, that goes through my head all the time. I wish we could do this for the kids. I wish we could do that for the kids. I wish their life looked like this. And then at the end of the day, you have to sit down and say, oh, they're so loved. They're so well taken care of. They don't know any difference. They think they are living the good life. And, totally. you know, we don't, we shouldn't be worrying about these things, you know, because I totally agree with your friend. Like it takes a lot of work to be a, a bad mom. And if that, lady on that girl on 16 and pregnant can do it you can do it right yeah and I feel like bad parents don't really worry about if they're bad parents (laughs) exactly they're just bad parents yeah it's true it reminds me of this is like a way throwback episode when we interviewed Jenny's sister about um this is one of my friends from college she her sister was um a little younger than Shay like in her early 30s and she was thinking like very seriously about having a baby purposefully on her own as a single woman and like what that would look like and oddly enough now she just bought a house with some guy so now she doesn't need to do the single mom thing necessarily but um it was very interesting I wish she was I wish she was like you know what we have a house together but I'm still gonna do this yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. power move I love it um (laughs) but yeah, it's funny because I remember during that episode, and again, this was probably two years ago, and I feel like even the growth that like Shay and I have done in two years, like I was a mm-hmm. small amoeba child, I feel like two years ago. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like I've grown up in a lot of ways. And I remember we, when we were recording that episode and we were talking about the extensive cost it takes, you know, not only just physical, but just like to raise a kid. And I remember Shay was like, well, if breast milk is free... And anyone can do it, you know, like you, you do have an instinct for motherhood. And I mm. feel like people kind of rally around you like a village, like people are very caring and nice. Did you kind of have that experience? Like you mentioned, you didn't really know what you were doing, but 
obviously you've made it to this point. Like, did you have a steep learning curve or did you find that things naturally came kind of instinctually to you and people kind of gravitated towards you when you needed help? Um, I was actually thinking about this today. So um, I'm not close to my parents. Um, my mom is, I mean, she's, she's great, but she doesn't really have a lot of motherly instincts at all. She lost her mom when she was three. Um, and so she really is just completely lacking like any kind of motherly instinct. She's a great human. I um, mean, she's there for me, but she just doesn't have that. Um, and I feel like I do, but I have it a lot with a baby. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very good at taking care of a baby. I'm very good at nursing and like being with this baby and cuddling it. I have a more of a challenge with a kid, like my daughter now, um, mm-hmm. like connecting with her and, and, giving her the attention that she needs. And that's where I really, really struggle. Um, and I don't, I, so I didn't have a lot of like, I didn't have a whole lot of support from my parents or my family. I had a lot of support from, um, friends. So I was actually nannying for this woman when I got pregnant. Um, and for some reason, when I found out I was pregnant, she was the first person I called. And at this mm-hmm. point, we weren't even that close. Um, we oh, had like yeah. some conversation, but for some reason, I was like, I need to call Andrea. Um, and that's kind of who I brought up earlier. But yeah. now she's like my second mom. Um, yeah. And she's kind of been the one. She also has like her master's in psychology. So she's really helped me work through things. And she's really helped me be a parent. Um, mm-hmm. and, and she one time told me that, parents have stages that they feel more most comfortable in Mm -hmm. and that they parent better. And mine was the baby stage, which is great. But unfortunately, like that's so fleeting and it's Mm -hmm. done. And so now like I have to really work on being a parent to a child and like a human, like I, I'm not, I feel like I'm, I struggle a lot. And I think it's because, um, my mom struggled so much with me. And I think mm-hmm. as much as we want to say that we're not like our parents, a lot of that kind of trickles down. And I have to really work against that um, innate feeling to just kind of pull away from my child. Cause that's, I mean, mm-hmm. I love her to death and, and she's the best, but like, I have a hard time being a parent. I mean, it, it doesn't come as naturally to me anymore. So it's something I work on all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think seven is hard. It's a hard age. Totally. totally. They still want to be babied, but then they're like, I don't need you. I'm my own person, you know? Totally. They're like, mom. So. Yeah. And, and my kid is so different than what I was as a kid. Like, mm. she doesn't like watching TV, which is <laughs> awful. Um, It's great, but it's awful. She doesn't like watching TV. She wants to organize things. She like, she's very hard on herself. So I am a total, like, I don't feel like, um, I'm a typical parent. I almost have to be Mm -hmm. kind of like the friend because she's parenting herself a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and that's different because I'm so opposite. I feel like I still need a parent to do, you know? Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I'm curious as a business owner and a mom, what are, what are your big dreams? What are your next steps? What do you, do you feel like you've, you've made it to what you want to do with your business or you're like, okay, growing? You know, I'm kind of in, 
I'm kind of in a career standstill where I'm trying to figure out what exactly I want to do. I love Mm -hmm. what I do. Um, but I love to learn and I get really bored really easily. Um, and so like, I kind of, I just started taking a real estate license or license. Yeah. Um, I I even kind of like toyed with the idea of going to court reporting school. Like I just, I'm kind of, I, I definitely love what I do and I, I like the artistic part of it and I, I like the client relationship thing, but I'm at a point where I'm getting a little burnt out and I don't really feel like I got to decide, you know, at 22, what I wanted to do. I didn't really get to go to school. I went to school for music theater because I loved it, but like Mm -hmm. that was when I wanted to be an actress, you know, and now like that's not what I want to be. Um, Mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm kind of, you know, back to being 23 and figuring out what I want to do with my life. Um, yeah. I think I'll always own a business. I think I'll always work for myself. Um, and I do love the beauty industry. Uh, I really love my, my clients. Like I've just, I feel like I've worked through a lot of my issues because of my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's been awesome, but I think I'm kind of at the point where I want something new. Mm-hmm. I love so, that. That's so cool. Yeah. We'll see. I don't, I'm not sure, but I think I will get my real estate license soon and we'll kind of go in that direction for a little. If I don't like it, I'll do core reporting. (laughs) Yeah. And what's so awesome is you have a business, you have a client base and you can work with them as much or as little as you want and try out these other things and see what happens. It's it's nice to have like a foundation and like kind of a home Mm -hmm. that I, no matter what, like if this goes south, like I have, I have clients and I have a business. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. awesome. Well, shall we move into our archery range segment? Yes. Are we ready? We are ready. All right, Bree. We're going to ask you a series of rapid fire questions. Uh, don't overthink them. Uh, just answer with whatever comes to your mind first. If we ask you for a favorite, it doesn't have to be your like ultimate favorite. It can be just something that you really like right now. So. Got it. Okay. Maddie, you want to kick off? Yes. Favorite book? I know you said you don't read a lot now, so maybe one from your you childhood. Know, I mean, I, I did read a lot. Um, I'm going to go with, like, my my angsty teenager and say The Bell Jar. Mm, oh, yes. that's good. You know? yeah. yeah, classic. Yeah. Favorite movie? Um, Clueless. Mm, so I good. love some Clueless. Uh, so my cousin Kelsey, who's been a guest on the pod several times, wants to go as Cher for Halloween this year. Oh. So good. Clueless it's, is so underrated. It's yeah. such a good movie. It's Agreed. Agreed. Um, favorite. I'm trying to think. Favorite um, TV show. Well, you said your daughter doesn't really watch TV. I was going to ask because I'm like interested in like children's TV of today. Like what's the least annoying show that your daughter watches uh, that like you yeah. can stand to watch as an adult? You know what? She watches a lot of like. My mom's gotten her into a lot of like 1970s cartoons. Oh, so like, fun. You know, I, I know, like ridiculous. Um, I'm trying to think what we even watch. She's not a big TV watcher, so yeah. it's hard to. Well, that's good. She was yeah. Keep the screen time to a minimum. Um, okay, I'll rephrase my question. Favorite place that you've traveled with your daughter? Hmm. These are these are tricky. Um, where have we gone together? Well, we just, just by have, yourself. 
we just got back from Savannah. We went to oh, Savannah. Oh, it's beautiful there. Yeah, and that was awesome. It was super hot, and we got stuck in the airport overnight. Oh, that's the worst. Was the worst. Um, oh. But Savannah was great. So, yeah, I'd say I, I'm trying to think if we've gone. I mean, we've gone other places together, but nothing as exciting as as exciting as Savannah. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. fun. That's cool. Uh, favorite musical? Ooh. That is tricky. Um, it kind of depends. I think I really like, um, I like singing Thoroughly Modern Millie. That's like oh, my, so my go-to singing kind of musical. But I like like dark stuff like Assassins because I, oh, yeah. I like, I like um, history and I like, you know, murders. So yeah. Are you a, a murderino? Are you a true crime fan? Oh, I have a, I have a fuck politeness tattoo. Oh, oh my god, amazing! Oh my god, I love it. That's Shout great. Out to Georgia and Karen, yeah. that's amazing. Have, Their book, by the way, is very good. If you haven't read it yet, I haven't read it. I kind of fell off um, the uh, my favorite murder train a little while ago. I feel mm. like it wasn't the same, and I hate when people say that, but I kind yeah. of ventured out a little bit. Um, but I do, I still, I mean, I still yeah. love them. I also recommend to all favorite murder podcast lovers, someone knows something. It's like a Canadian, um, it's a Canadian podcast. That's like, I feel like I've listened. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, I feel like I've listened to, is it different cases? Each one it's, um, they have like four or five different seasons and each season is a case. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Highly recommend. Um, anyway, back to the archery range. Yes. Favorite Uh, favorite TV show. Adult TV show, not for your daughter. Favorite adult TV show. Or even one from when you were a kid. Oh man. From when I was a kid, like Sabrina. Oh yeah. What's the shit? Have Uh, you watched the reboot? I have. I have. I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I've heard it's good. Have you watched the new um, Showtime show, the um, becoming on becoming God in Central Florida? Or no, is that what it's oh no, it's, with Kristen Dunst, right? Yeah, 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 I love Kristen Dunst. So I just yeah. started yesterday. Okay. I even bought like the the ten dollars subscription to Showtime because I'm a sucker. Ooh. But love that's currently I I do love I do love TV. I watch way too much. I'm a reality TV junkie. Are you a bachelor person? We're missing bachelor in paradise right now. I'm not. That's the only one I can't get on board with. And you know what it is? It's like, it's the insecure woman in me that like the idea of like fighting over men just hits too close to. Yeah. I feel that. I understand. They're done that. Don't want to watch it. Yeah. (laughs) I feel that for sure. For okay, sure. one more. You will, you will like this. One of my really good friends was someone on The Bachelor a long time ago. Oh. Olivia Creedy. <gasps> You're friends with Olivia Creedy? Oh, my God. Her eyebrows and we became <gasps> friends. She, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she was on Ben Higgins' season, which she I was, I auditioned to be on like Ben Higgins' that. season, oh, and you, I didn't make it. I did. She was like the villain, wasn't she? Yes, but I think... Out of all the villains, she was the least deserving villain of any season because her only, like, like all the girls, she was the only one that was close enough to being a villain, but she really didn't act like it. Oh, gotcha. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, she wasn't mean to the other girls. She just really liked Ben, and she would, like, steal his time, and the other girls were like, that's rude. But, like, she wasn't a mean person. She was very, very sweet. 
You know what's funny though is because um, I went to dinner with her recently and with a girl also that loves The Bachelor. So I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. But she was saying that like um, the producers would basically be like, hey, Ben really wants to talk yes, to you. They manipulated. See- yeah. Yeah. When you see him, go grab him because he really wants to talk to you. So like. When in reality, that- they're just goading the other girls. Yeah. Exactly. That makes sense why The Bachelor always looks so confused when, like, the villain comes up to him and is like, can I steal you? And they're like, what? Because they probably edited it out when the girl says, oh, the producer said you wanted to talk. Yeah. Totally. It's so funny. Oh, that's that's a great great fun fact. Yeah. Do you um, watch Love Island? Um, No, Uh, I need to. I'm, like, saving it because I want to, like, binge it. Not the American version, but the British version. I've heard that's the better one. It is phenomenal. Where can you find that? On Hulu. Oh, all right. Yeah. It's like, like The Bachelor to me is too like PG. I want like grittiness. Mm. I want like cursing and sex in my TV. Yes. And so like it's, <laughs> it's a whole another level, but it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I that's awesome. Well, I feel like that's okay. a great place to end. Wait, I didn't ask my oh. question. I always ask. Yes. About that's your question. Yes, yes, yes. Favorite childhood snack. Gushers. Gushers, love it. Uh-huh. See, good one. We've had that one before. Had the, this is a good. It's a good question because I feel like we've had some repeats. And it's very telling. Yeah. Have yeah. people said gushers before? Someone said gushers because I remember yes. I, I talked about my German boss who had never had gushers and we made him try them and he was very confused as to what they yeah. were. Very <laughs> divisive snack. Like I personally think they're disgusting, but I also see no. the appeal. Yeah. No. But I don't like anything that has like a surprise liquid. Oh, like, I. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. That's that's disgusting. But I But the flavor, they, their flavors are excellent. They're so delicious. Yeah. <laughs> a fave. I'm a oh, oh my goodness. All right. Well, well, Bree, do you have any place if you want to be found online or if you want to plug your business, whatever you uh, want? Yeah. My business is Juniper Lash and Brow and my Instagram is Frankie Blue B L E U. Um, and I post a lot of really dumb stuff. So follow at your own discretion. I like it. I look forward to following it. I enjoy all the content of your daughter. She's very cute. She's, she's okay. <laughs> she can stay. Her, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, awesome. thank you so much, Bree. Thank you, Bree. This has really been amazing and really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you. Bye, campers. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page, where you can be a subscriber, and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.